one, and I'm talking about all of us in, 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 um, in our prayer school that we were doing earlier. We were praying in Ephesians, the Ephesians prayers. And when you pray these prayers, God answers them. Amen. And we've been praying out of chapter one, and, and you can pray this. This is if you say, Well, I, I want to know how to pray for my church, this is the best way that you can pray for your church. Ephesians chapter one, verse 17. And we pray it something like this. We just say, Father, we come before you and we pray that you, Father, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. And that we're praying for the whole church here, that the eyes of all all of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and uh, what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe according to the working of His mighty power. Then we usually go over to chapter 3 and begin in verse 15. Uh, no, 16, excuse me. And we pray, Father God, that you would grant unto this church word of life according to the riches of your glory, that they would all be strengthened with might by, their, by your spirit in the inner man, that Christ would dwell in our hearts by faith, and that we would be rooted and grounded in love and able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and that we would know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, and that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. And then I like to skip down to verse 21, not that verse 22 is not, I mean, 20 is not wonderful, but I like to skip to 21 and say, Unto you, God, be glory in this church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. And so as we've been spending, you know, for months there in prayer school, we would pray uh, this. And then, you know, at different times in the prayer room before the services, we've been praying. We nearly always start with these prayers. And we've been asking God to fill us with the fullness of God. And so it, this is his answer to our prayers, Amen. is to, 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 to have pastor teaching and preaching on what he's preaching. And then, he, he, and then God leading us into this study of the glory of God. And because we've been asking for years for the glory, but sometimes we've asked for something. We didn't really know what it was, but we were asking. And, and praise God that we asked when we didn't know because we knew it was something good. But now we need to know what it is, amen, and what to expect. And uh, Friday, I think it was, as I was just uh, before the Lord, he spoke to me these words. He said, glory orientation. He said, we are in glory orientation. We're being oriented to walk in his glory, to be a people that walks in the glory of God. Because I tell you, uh, there are things, you have to be ready for the glory, you have to be ready body in your body. You have to be ready in your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. And you have to be ready in your spirit for the glory. Well, you know, we got born again. Our spirit was instantly created. And uh, so our spirits, we're ready for the glory. But sometimes our soul, our mind, will, and emotions. And, and you know, pastor, you know, that was that sermon this morning. That was part of glory orientation. Amen. God's getting us ready for the glory. Amen. And we have to get our bodies ready for the glory too. You have to be able to contain the anointing. You know, we're always praying around here for the increase of the anointing. You've got to be able to contain it. You've got to be able to hold the anointing. You've got to be able to sustain it. You've got to be able to flow with it. Amen. There's a strength, even a bodily strength, and there's a strength of mind, even in, we were worshiping a while ago, to go on and continue in and to press in and to go on to those higher places. Amen. Amen. 
Are y'all real cold? Because it is flat cold on the stage. And when the stage gets cold, I mean, it is cold in the place. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise God. But anyway, you've got to be bodily ready to hold that anointing and to contain that anointing, to flow with the anointing. Um, experiencing the glory has everything to do with faith. It has everything to do with righteousness. If you, if, you don't, if you haven't developed your faith that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, it'll keep you out of the glory. Amen? If you haven't developed your faith to the point where you walk in holiness... Now, we're not talking about righteousness when I talk about holiness. I don't know if y'all realize that there's two different things there. That righteousness is something that was bestowed on you. When you were saved, Jesus made you the righteousness of God. You've been made by the blood. You are righteous. You will never be more righteous. The day you were born again, you're just as righteous as you'll ever be. But there is a walk of holiness. That we increase in, and we put away things. I know I'm reminded. Uh, does anybody ever here ever heard of Sandy Brown? I think we've talked about her before. Yeah, only, only Lawrence ever heard of her. Well, anyway, she's an evangelist. I guess she still is. I hadn't heard of her in years. But in the charismatic movement back in the olden days, you know, I talk about, she was prominent. And she got saved. She was a Las Vegas playgirl. Play, playgirl. Bunny girl. Wore one of them bunny suits, you know. <laughs> And she got saved there, and you know, and she, she immediately, she had the call of evangelists on her, and immediately she got out in the street to win souls in her Playboy Bunny Girl uniform. <laughs> you know, it took a while for a sense of holiness to come over her and for her to, to realize this is not you know, appropriate. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and, and so that God has us all in a walk of holiness and it takes faith to lay aside some things. Amen. And God just starts working on us. You know, when we got baptized in the Holy Ghost, now when we were just saved and weren't baptized in the Holy Ghost, we didn't have sense enough to know it. But I, I mean, we didn't, we didn't see things like we saw them. When, as soon as we received the Holy Ghost, we started seeing things. But man, I tell you, we're addicted to days of our lives. We were. Me, pastor too, I'm telling you. <laughs> he was addicted. He came home from farming every day. He was a farmer and he came home for lunch. We had our big meal at lunch. I cooked at lunch. I actually cooked in those days. And, uh, and uh, he came home and we watched Days of Our Lives. But when we got baptized in the Holy Ghost, something started, there was something working in us. And you know, we just wanted to lay aside that. We didn't, we didn't want to watch that. And the big deal then, the big thing to do on Friday night was in Seagraves, it was, was to watch Dallas. That was when Dallas, that was back when Dallas was popular. I saw, that's, the reruns of that are on the, and I saw something, and I thought, that is the corniest. <laughs> and besides, they look, they dress stupid now. I mean, you know, you notice that. But, uh, you, there's a holiness thing that takes over in you, but it takes faith. So you can't say that the glory, well, we're not talking about faith anymore. No, we're talking about having great faith to walk where God's called us to walk and to, 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 to usher in the glory. Amen. And a lot of times, family, we're just praying for miracles. And this is a church that is from the beginning is prayed and believed for miracles. We believe for signs and wonders, for notable miracles. But a lot of times we just think God's just going to, those are just going to pop into existence, you know, sort of um, 
spontaneously without anything on our part. But we do have a part for miracles. And the part we have is to create the atmosphere. Miracles occur in a certain atmosphere. And the more the church, the more a church cultivates that atmosphere, the more miracles that they will have. Praise God. Amen. And, and you know, you say, well, I don't know if we need this glory. Well, without glory, there is no revival. It's really all in one and the same. And we've been hearing for years that this great, mongous revival that's coming. And all the multitude of souls that are going to be saved. Family, it still is. Amen. Amen. It's still coming. And God's getting us glory-oriented. We are in glory orientation now because we're in the final days before some things break forth. I know things are happening. You know, Pastor and I, uh, he, he, we already know what to do. This is the first time in our whole ministry we've known exactly what to do. We are all, we're just waiting on timing. We know how to win the, the children in Tuscaloosa. God gave us the plan. We know how to win the youth. We know how to win the adults. It's not us. It's nothing. You know what it is? It's your prayers in prayer school. When we were having prayer school and we kept playing, you know what we, for weeks and weeks and weeks we prayed, God give us the plans, the plans, the plans, the plans, the plans. And he didn't drop them all on us in one day. But in those months since then, since we were praying the plans, you were praying it up. Uh, he started just giving us the plans. For We know how to reach the prison. We know how to plant churches. Amen. You'd say, well, are we supposed to plant churches? Well, there's cities that don't have the word of faith. There are cities in West Alabama and Eastern Mississippi that don't have the word of faith. Amen. And you know what? God, Y'all are strategic. All, every one of you is going to be involved in the harvest in some area. Now, you may not help plant the church, and you may not, but maybe you're the one that's going to go to the prison. You may not go to the prison. Maybe you're the one that's going to help win the children. Or maybe you're the one that's going to be helping us win the youth of the city. But every one of you is strategic. Every one of you. Because what God's doing right now is He's getting the foundation ready here. And you're, you are strategic. You are gifted. And it's, see, all, and it's really not you that's going to do it anyway. It's going to be His power working through you. So if you don't feel very strong or very able, that's okay. Because it's going to be His power working through you. All we need to do is create the atmosphere. All we need to do is get ready for the glory. Amen. Now let's turn to Psalm chapter 24. Now all week... You know, I, I really don't want to complain, but now it is just, there's no air up here at all. I mean, we have gone, we have gone to the other extreme. I'm not trying to be hard to get along with tonight. I'm really not. Psalm chapter 24. All week long, God's been telling me this scripture and been ministering to me this scripture. And I have just been ringing this scripture out, trying to figure out what it was God wanted us to see in this scripture. We're going to read the whole thing together. We won't read it out loud. I'll just read, but you follow along. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. 
He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Well, there's a lot of things we can learn out of this passage. Um, but the point is, one point is, is he's the King of glory. And when we seek him and when we, when we make a place for him, he comes in. Amen. Uh, in verse 3, let me just point out a few little things about it that I discovered in all this pursuit this week. In verse 3, who shall ascend? That word ascend, I looked it up in the Hebrew. It means promotion. That was literally the definition that they gave. Who shall be promoted? Who shall be promoted? Or who shall stand in the holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. See, it takes both. It takes clean hands and a pure heart. It's not enough just to do everything right on the outside, is it? Our heart's got to be right too. If we're going to have the clean king of glory, we need to have clean hands. To have clean hands, you need to have not cheated on your income tax. If you did, your hands aren't clean. If you have to have clean hands, you have to have paid your tithe. If you don't, your hands aren't clean. You've been touching God's money. It, not paying your tithes the same as stealing out of the offering bag. I mean, it's no different in God's eyes. Now, to us, we see it different. You get arrested for one and, you know, the world, the world sees it different, but God doesn't see it different. And so we have to have clean hands. Well, when we've messed up, we can get clean with the blood of Jesus, can't we? We can come 1 John 1, 9, and we can say, God, I missed it we got to have clean hands, but our heart's got to be right too. We can't just be doing everything right on the outside and paying our tithes and so forth and doing everything right. But boy, we're madder than hops at one of our brothers in Christ. In fact, we hate him with a passion. See, that's not having a pure heart, is it? So we got to have both because that's who gets to enter into the glory of God. That's where the king of glory comes in. Well, then let's look in... Uh, in verse 5, it says, He shall receive the blessing. Well, I looked up the word blessing in the Greek, uh, the Hebrew, excuse me. And it said, just like our pastor taught us about the windows of heaven and the blessing that comes through the windows of heaven, it said benediction. It said prosperity. It said prosperity. He shall receive the prosperity from the Lord. Amen. So here's just some good things that I'm finding out of it as I'm studying. In verse 6, it says, This is the generation of them that seek Him, that seek thy face. I looked up face, and it said that a definition of face was favor. This is the generation of them that seek thy favor. I tell you what, there's never been a generation that had more understanding of favor. God gave a revelation to, I guess it started with Jerry Savelle. I, I, I mean, that's where I know of it starting. That, that, that we could walk in the favor of God. No, it didn't start with Jerry Savelle. Excuse me. Charismatic movement, early 1970s, Bob Boos wrote a book called Favor. If you can find that old book, thank you. I just thought of that, Lawrence. He's, you got it? 
Amen. Bob Boos wrote a book about favor. So it started there, but it kind of laid dormant, didn't it, for years? I mean, we read the book, but, you know, and you said, oh, yeah, that's good. That's really good. But, you know, just didn't didn't get a big worldwide revelation of it until uh, in the early 90s, Jerry Savelle began to have a revelation of favor. There's never been a generation that sought the favor of God like our generation. Amen. We're seeking His face. We're seeking the favor of God. We're realizing it's going to take the favor of God to get done what we need to get done in this earth. Amen. Okay, then we're at uh, verse 7. It says in verse 7, and this is the pole point we're coming to here, it says, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Now that's what the King James read. When I looked this up in the Hebrew in my interlinear Bible, I was kind of shocked because it didn't, that's not how it's written in the Hebrew. It says in the Hebrew, lift up your gates, O ye heads. It doesn't say lift up your heads, O ye gates. It says lift up your gates, O ye heads. And you say, well, I don't understand that. Well, it took me a while. I had to really meditate on that and see what the Lord was saying. But I tell you what He's saying there. He's saying, you're the authority. See, He doesn't break man's will. We're the heads. You're the head of your life. You're the one that's making the decisions for your life. And you decide if the gates come up or if the gates go down. And He's saying, lift up your gates, O ye heads, and the King of glory will come in. If we'll lift up our gates, if we'll take off all the boundaries, if we'll take off all the limitations, the King of glory will come in in our lives. Amen? See, He, he, he knows how to... He knows how to he, he's telling us how to do it. We take off everything. We take off the, everything that we've put there. We take off what grandmother believed and how they always did it. That's a gate. Amen? We take, off, we take off the gates of, of, of our pride, of, you know, what's this going to do? You know, God might embarrass me. We've got to take off the gates. We've got to take off the limitations. Amen? Because, see, you can put a gate up. You can put a wall up, and it'll keep God out. I tell you what, you can keep a, put a wall up that wasn't even intended to keep God out, that was intended to keep some man or woman out, and it'll keep God out too. You know, you, uh, sometimes women get hurt by men and they make, think, they make statements like, no man will ever hurt me again. And they put a wall up. And they enlist in the men-hating club. And they hate all men. And you, you, you don't have to go very far to find women like this. I don't know if men do this and hate all women or not. I just know what women do, so I'm going to tell you. Well, all I'm saying is, is that's a gate. And we put those gates up sometimes and we say, or maybe sometimes we, I know men sometimes they can't forgive their fathers. Sometimes men resent their mothers. And we put those gates up and we think, oh man, you know, that's just, that's just, that's not hurting anything. Well, yeah, it is. It keeps God out. We have to, we have to lift up the gates. Amen. And take off the fears, take off the boundaries, take off all the limitations. Amen. Because we're going to the glory. The King of Glory is coming in. Now, the glory, I, I told you this before, but I just felt quickened to remind you, what is the glory? The glory is the realm of eternity. Now, I'm just going to give you some one-liners here describing the glory. And we've already covered these, I believe, in tape one, but I'm going to go over them again. It's the revelation of the presence of God. See, we know God is everywhere all the time, right? That's what the Word teaches. God is everywhere. And we even sing a song that says, God is everywhere 
But there is a manifestation of His presence, and that is the glory. When His presence actually begins to manifest, and, and there's conditions for that. God's glory, is, he's, his, he's not manifesting everywhere. His presence is there. His presence is at the wrestling match. But his, 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 there's no, there's not a, it's not manifesting there. He is everywhere. He's in, it's not manifesting everywhere. But the glory is the manifestation of His presence. God is glory. Glory, actually one definition of glory is weighty with everything good. Weighty with everything good. The atmosphere of heaven is glory. And when glory comes into our service, or when glory comes into our home, or when you're ministering to someone and glory comes into that hospital room, then heaven has came down. You know, the earth, its atmosphere is air. And there is not one inch of the earth that has not got air. I'm not talking about now if you go underground or something, but I'm talking about you can breathe anywhere on earth. There is air. And heaven, there's not one inch of heaven that is not glory. Amen? So when glory manifests, then heaven has manifested on earth. And that's what we're believing God for. Now we read in Isaiah 4 in verse 5, and I'm not going to, you can jot that scripture down and read it for yourself. I'm not going to read it tonight because we did the first night. But it is God's desire to place the glory on every church as a covering on every church to have the manifest presence of God. His, his presence revealed in every church. That's His desire. Does He get to do that? No. We want to be a church that allows Him to do that. Amen? Because we could, we could do the same thing that other churches do. We could get so in a form, even a, a word of faith form if you want to call it that, we could get so in a form that we don't even let Him manifest. And we don't want to do that. We want to be a church that welcomes the presence of God. Let's the Holy Ghost direct the service. Let's Him. You know, we come with a plan, a general plan, but we want to be open to, to however God might lead. Amen? So there's one main ingredient for glory. And this is one of the things we want to get out tonight. One main ingredient for glory and that, and this is for us, we be in unity. And unity might not be what you have thought before. Churches have tried to get in unity for years. I know there's, there's always that push for unity. In the town that we came from, the push for unity between the churches in the town was every year at Thanksgiving to have a Thanksgiving service. And they felt like if we had a Thanksgiving service together, that we had unity. Well, we might or we might not. That's not the criteria, though, for unity. And unity means to be one in spirit. And the glory comes when we are in one spirit in this place. And because you and I have such a great desire for the glory... It will cause us to lay aside little things, petty things, things that really don't amount to anything, to lay those aside because we want His glory. So, we, so that makes us, you know, have to mature as a church. We have to get past, well, you know, they didn't speak to me. 
because that's a little thing. See, what you have to do is you have to say, does this mean anything in all of eternity? You have to ask yourself in the situations of life, does this mean anything in all of eternity? I know one Sunday morning in a, when we were first starting out pastoring, in, and, and the, the, the song, I don't know where it was, but we had no piano player that morning. And I remember I was just fretting and fretting and fretting and fretting over not having a piano player that morning. I mean, I was just upset over this. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me as clear as He ever did. And He said, Debbie, it is just one Sunday in all eternity. And you know, it really brought it into perspective. And you know, and, and you know, when you're a child, sometimes things can get really blown out of proportion. I remember when I was 16, my daddy bought me a little car. It was a Ford Falcon. It had a three-speed and a clutch, you know. And uh, he bought me this little car and bought, gave it to me for my 16th birthday. And then and it, he told me, he said, you can only have one person in the front seat with you and three girls in the back. You cannot have more than that in this car ever. I mean, I bawled and squalled and cried. He was ruining my life. I mean, he was. This man was ruining my life. I cried, I remember, for three hours. And my dad, you'd have to know him. Now, he is not going to move just because a woman's crying. And, and I didn't move him. He never changed his mind. But I thought, I have more friends than that. I cannot, this is going to ruin my life. This is ruining, you know, how we can, when we're not mature, we can blow things totally and completely out of perspective, can't we? Well, it's the same in the church. Some of us hadn't matured very much spiritually, and we can just get things so blown out of proportion, things that don't really count much for all eternity. I know it doesn't count much because those girls that I cried and squalled and, and carried on so for three hours, you know, to, and I'm being real honest, I'm not trying to be callous here, but I wouldn't drive back to Texas to see any of them. <laughs> I mean, you know, if I hear something about them, I think, oh, that's neat, you know. But, you know, to go to any effort to go to a class reunion, I know I wouldn't because last August they had my 25th. And I didn't, make, I didn't bother to show up. No, I think it was August before. Anyway, it was re, it, since I lived in Alabama, they had the 25th. I didn't bother to show up. And see, things are not weighty when, it consider, when, when you consider it in the light of eternity. Well, there's things in the church that are not weighty when it's in light of all eternity. And so we need to lay aside those things and let our desire for the glory of God say, oh, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. That, that doesn't matter. They said Catherine Kuhlman, that she was, you know, that people said horrible, horrible, horrible things about her and did horrible things to her. But that one thing that she always did, that she would always be so nice to them and she would always be so, she would do nice things for them and she would say nice things about the people. And sometimes the people that worked with her would ask her, said, you know, um, don't you don't you know what they said about you? Don't you know what they've done? And she would say, oh, we're just not, we're just going to forget that. We're just going to forget that. And you know, that's how we need to be. I can tell you most of the stuff that you're bent out of shape of over now is not very weighty in all of eternity. You don't know how many times I've been bent out of shape as a wife and a mother because somebody tracked across my floor or something. In fact, Michael used to say when he was a farmer, I can tell the day she cleaned house. When I come home from the farm, I can tell if she cleaned house that day. And see, those are things, sometimes we do those things in the church too. We just get so bent out of shape over things that are not weighty in all of eternity. 
I'm preaching to me myself right now. Um, but to be in unity is so simple. See, we've had theologians for years trying to figure out how to get in unity. There is one way to get in unity that is the simplest way in the world. And did you know if we could do this, we could literally have unity with any church in town. Even the Catholics. You say, I don't think we could be in unity with them. Yeah, we could. If we could do this one thing, we could be in unity with any church in town. You say, well, I couldn't because I just couldn't stand that incense and stuff they burn. Yeah, you could. You could forget all of that. You know, we don't have very many religious things in this church. Pastor and I kind of like it like that. So we don't put many religious things in this church. But we've been been, been uh, fellowshipping with a brother recently. He has so many religious things on his stage, you can't hardly get on the stage. I mean, there are lavers and bowls to wash your feet in, and I don't know what all there's up there. I'm not It is just cluttered with stuff, that, and it's all the religious trappings. But see, we can be in unity. There's one way to be in unity, and that is to get our eyes on Jesus. And that's as simple as it is. It's like an orchestra. It's like an orchestra and the conductor. The orchestra and the musicians in the orchestra, they don't ever set their tempo by each other. They do not orient themselves to each other. They do not they they pay no attention to each other in a in this real sense. They focus on the conductor. They get in unity with the conductor. And then when they're in unity with the conductor, they are automatically in unity with each other. And see, if we get in unity with Jesus Christ, we, it's, family, it doesn't matter what we think about you if you're in unity with Him. It doesn't matter. You won't even be thinking about it. And you see, we can have the most glorious Holy Ghost services if you'll get in unity with the conductor. You'll know when to dance in the Holy Ghost. You'll know when to praise in the Spirit, and you won't be saying, oh, I wonder what they'll think. See, when you're looking around wondering what we'll think, there's one person you're not in unity with, and that's Him. See, you're still looking sideways. You're still, you're still wondering what we're doing and what we'll think and how will it look. And I know I've been there because I've thought all those things myself. But see, when we get our eyes on Him, then we're in unity. And when unity, when every person in the congregation gets in unity with the conductor, the glory will fall. And so like we talked about last time, we're going to have to even forget what the kid in front of us is doing. Amen? And you know what? The kids need to get in unity with the conductor too. And in children's church, they're endeavoring to teach them to do that. See, I think the reason kids get in trouble in church is because they don't feel a part of the service. They don't feel a part. They don't feel like that they're supposed to be responding to what Jesus is doing in the service. But you know what? They are. They're supposed to be responding to whatever the conductor is doing. Amen. Amen. And so when the kids don't realize that, then they, they, they get in trouble in the service. Or they do like I did when we were youth. We sat on the back right side of the Baptist church and talked the whole time. I do not know. When I realize now what I did as a teenager, I do not know how the preacher preached. I guess he was in unity with the conductor. I guess that was it. He had to have been. Amen. So that's how we're going to get in unity. 
It's so simple. It's just so simple. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And then it won't matter who comes in. It won't matter how long their beard is and how long the ponytail is and how many earrings they have on and if their belly button's pierced and we can see it. You know, it won't matter because we're in unity with the conductor. we got our eyes on Jesus and we've got some place to go. Where are we going? We're ascending into the hill of the Lord. And we're going to that holy place. And we're not just going there to say we got there. We're not going, we're going to, when we get there, we go in, and when we get there, we get what He wants us to have. Amen. We don't just say, well, you know, I touched the city like we did. We went to a Tennessee, a northern part of Tennessee, to a church, I think Clarksville, Tennessee, preached in a church there. That was a blessing, a big blessing. And we wanted to say we went into Kentucky, Kentucky so we just drove across the line real quick and turned back so we could say we've been to Kentucky. You know, that's not our point. It's just to get there. Our point is to get, come into the presence of God. And every time we come, He has something for us there. Amen? Sometimes it's an impartation. Sometimes it's a revelation. Amen? Praise God. But every time, we are changed in His presence. And sometimes that's the reason we go, is just to be changed. When we come down, we're not the same. We go to be empowered like Moses. He went up on the mountain. When he came back down, his face was glowing. They couldn't stand to look at him. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So we synchronize with the conductor, and then we automatically are synchronized with each other. And so anytime in a service everyone focuses on the Lord, then that is unity. We used to sing an old song, some of you might know it, that says, just forget about yourself and concentrate on Him. Amen? Well, we could add a third, second verse to that and say, just forget about each other too, and concentrate on Him. And you know, in this church, I've noticed one thing else we need to forget. We need to forget what the ushers are doing. Amen? They're doing their job. But you could just be distracted by the ushers doing their job. Not that they're a distraction, but just that, you know, you're not focusing on Him. We need to forget about this thing too. As much as possible. I know when we sing a new song, we need it. And we need to leave it up there when visitors come in. But I have to make myself, just, you know, by an act of my will, not to just sit there and stare at it and sing at it myself, but to concentrate on Him. Yes. See, we got to, when you're reading this, you're using your head. And the more we can get out of our head and into our spirit, the better off we're going to be. Amen. And that's why it's so good when we, when we sing a simple song. Amen. And we'd really try in this church to keep the song simple. In fact, we have a rule. If it takes two transparencies, you can't sing it. <laughs> but we'd like for them to be simpler than that. Amen. Praise God. So I've told you in the time before, we praise until the spirit of worship comes. We worship until the glory comes. And then we stand in the glory. Now, God has been just ministering in our service and visiting our services wonderfully since we've been teaching on this. And, uh, and we're all learning. We're growing in this. It's, you know, we, you don't just get there in one service. You don't just figure out how to do this in one service. You don't even, you know, some services you sing a song and it doesn't really take you there. And you kind of figure out which, which ones do. So uh, be patient with us. We're going. But we praise until the a spirit of worship comes. We worship until the glory comes. And then we stand in the glory. And in the glory are the things that we have prayed and desired for. 
Amen? And one night we're going to talk about the things that are in the glory, like harvest and revelation and, and finances and all the things that, that, that we have believed for. Amen? So, um, let me see how much time I... Well, we got a little more time. Let's do a little more. Praise is an instrument of harvest. Praise is an instrument of harvest. I want to just talk a little bit about praise tonight. And then we might have time to talk about glory. I, I mean, worship, I'm not sure. But praise is an instrument of harvest. And we talked about the other time that if we sow to the heavens, God will sow to the earth. As we sow to the heavens here like we did tonight, God's sowing to the earth somewhere. God's sowing to the earth somewhere because we sow to the heavens here. He's sowing to the earth. Praise is also warfare. Now, I know in, in, in Word of Faith circles, we get real nervous when you mention the word warfare. We do not like that word because we, the, even though it's in the Bible, one time, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Uh, we, but we don't like the word warfare. We don't, we, don't, we don't agree sometimes with all the warfare teaching that's been taught. But there is a warfare. There is a good fight of faith. And uh, the, the fight's already been won in Jesus, but we have to fight the fight of faith, don't we? But as we praise, the reason I want to say that, and I don't even know any other way to say this, that praise is warfare, is that this is the main reason, is praise changes the atmosphere. So if you work in an ungodly place, there's a way to change the atmosphere there. And it's praise. If you live in an ungodly home, you can change the atmosphere in your home. If you live in a home that has unbelievers that have brought in ungodly things, you can change the atmosphere in your home. And we can change the atmosphere in our church. Amen. Now we have a good atmosphere here, but we can increase that atmosphere. It could increase so much that the atmosphere of this church begin to affect people out in the street. Have you heard of that before? Amen. You can hear, you've heard about a, a church having the power and the move of God so strong that people across town got un, con, under conviction. Now I'm ready for that. Amen. Amen. So we can change our atmosphere. And in that sense, it, it is a form of warfare. And it also it advances the kingdom of God. Amen. Matthew 21 verse 15. I'll read that to you. So we praise until the spirit of worship comes and then we worship until the glory comes and then we stand in his glory. And that has been, we've been having a wonderful move of the spirit in our services and that's going to increase. That is going to increase. In Matthew 21, verse 15, it says, And when the chief priests and scribes uh, saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased and said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have you, have you never read? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. Now this is interesting because he's quoting Psalm chapter 8 verse 2. And in Psalm chapter 8 verse 2 it says, Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength. But when he gets to the New Testament, he says thou hast ordained praise. Family, when we praise, there's a strength that comes to us. 
perfect strength comes from praise. And so in that sense, praise is a, is, is a type of warfare. Praise is also a celebration. In um, Isaiah chapter 51. Now we're not going to keep you forever tonight. But let me get a little bit more out. Isaiah 51, 11. It says, Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Praise is a celebration. And we have a lot to celebrate. Jesus has defeated death, hell, and the grave. He has defeated the devil, and every day is a day of celebration for us. And so how do you celebrate when you want to celebrate the fact that Jesus has won the victory for you? You celebrate with praise. Amen. Now praise also, I said this a while ago, is the ascent. When I begin to praise the Lord, I begin to ascend and I need to be aware of that. Because I, and the reason I need to be aware of it is because once I start to ascend, I don't want to stop. And once I start to ascend, I don't want to go over here and lose my train of thought and, and, and not ascend. Not go all the way. Psalm 100 verse 4 says uh, uh, that we enter his gates with thanksgiving and we enter his courts with praise. So how do we go in? See Psalm 24 said, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? So how do we ascend? How do we make the ascent? How do we go uh, uh, up higher to those higher places? We go with praise. That's how we go. That's how we get there. Praise will bring us quickly into the presence of God. We need to be in God's presence. When you have a situation in your life and you need an answer, you need the presence of God. You, you can get there by praising. Amen. Praise will bring us quickly. After praising, sometimes we've not known what to do next. Do you ever feel like that? I know in our churches we've not known what to do next sometimes. And I talked about this before earlier. We need to, when we get, when we praise and when we get there, we need to get what we went after. Not just like go, you know, you could set up, you could make a, you could decide you needed to see the President of the United States and you would have to go to some, quite some lengths to see him, wouldn't you? You'd have to make arrangements. You'd have to get clearance. You'd have to, I don't know what you'd have to go through security. There's no telling what you'd have to do. But it would be kind of dumb for you to go through all of that to get there and then just kind of walk around the Oval Office and say, well, I saw it and then walk out. But sometimes that's how we do. We, 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 we go to that place, we get to that place in worship, then we don't know what to do. And so we don't get what we came there. So when we get there, when we get there in praise, when we get there, here's what we do. We worship. That's what we went there for. We didn't just praise to be praising. We went there to worship. Now, I'm going to tell you something. It does no good to worship until the spirit of worship comes. Now that might surprise some of you. But, and you know, sometimes we have a song we like and, or maybe we're just singing a song because it's a catchy little tune. And you know, we're not talking about those things and everything. But if we just come into a, to a meeting and we just say, okay, let's worship, then we can't because we don't have the spirit of worship yet. But what we can do is we can praise. And sometimes even then in coming in and trying to praise, I have noticed that if, if, if we're pretty disjointed or maybe we've had a hard day or maybe I'm, you know, I'm telling you, I've, I, I've met, sometimes we come into tired or, or, or any number of things that could have us off focus. 
then what we need to do is sing a song about, we need to do a confession song. Now, a lot of our songs are not praise. They're just confession. And see, we can get a little bit, I'm getting a little... I'm getting, a, this is getting a little more specific here, so hang on with me because it helps us to understand. Like we sing, I walk by faith. That's not praise. And we're not, and because it's not praise, we won't go anywhere with it if we don't go to, we can start with that, I walk by faith because that gets us all lined up and it gets the world off of us and it gets us refocused. Okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing is I'm supposed to be walking by faith. And it helps us, but it doesn't, Pray, it's not praise, so it does not bring the anointing that praise will. And so praise is when we begin to focus on, on, God, on God and what He's done. He's the healer. He's the deliverer. When we begin to focus on those things, uh, thank, you, thank you, Lord, for, uh, that you're the healer. Thank you, God, that you are our deliverer. We praise you for the blood of Jesus. We be, thank you for your shed blood. Now we're praising now we're praising. And as we start to praise, we're ascending. We, and we're going up the hill. Now, nothing wrong with confession songs, but we got to, they just get us to the place where we can praise. Then we start to praise Him for what He's done. And then the spirit of worship comes. And you'll find this in John chapter 4, verse 22, when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. John chapter 4, verse 22. This is good. This is going to help you. He says, Jesus talking to her, he said, Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father, how? In spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. When we worship, we've got to have the spirit of worship. God gives it. Amen? But we start with praise. Now that you say, well, um, it seems like you're saying that worship's most important. No, they're both important. They're both vital. And we need to have exuberant praise. We should have praise that is, that is very exuberant. And, and the, the higher we go in praise, the, the more we'll be able to enter into worship. Amen? And true worship comes from the heart, not the head. So that's why we, we make our confessions sometimes. See, we're getting focused when we're making our confessions. We're singing our confessions is really what we're doing. We could just as easily just confess it out loud, you know, without the singing. But singing helps. I like singing confessions. And then we begin to praise Him. Hallelujah. And we celebrate Jesus like we did this morning. Celebrate Jesus. Celebrate. That is praise. Amen. And we start to celebrate Him. And we're praising Him. Praise God. And then all of a sudden we've come and we're up there. Now what do we do? We worship. And worship is not as wordy as praise. Worship, that's why worship songs are, are to be simple are really good. Like tonight, you know, it didn't have to be a lot of words. It was sufficient just to stand in His presence and say, Holy, 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 Holy. I mean, you, there's just... It's just, it, it's just, it's just, it comes out of the heart. It comes out of the heart. And see, if it's out of the head, it's not worship because you have to worship from your spirit. Amen. And so that's why it's important to get rid of that thing. You don't need that for holy, holy, holy. You caught that after we sang it twice. Amen. Holy is the Lord of hosts. I, I don't even remember the rest of the words, but it was, it was simple. I remember that. It was simple. Amen. And so it gets us there. Then we get to His glory. We stand in His glory. Amen. 
And then in his glory, we have whatever he desires. Sometimes he might desire prophecy. Sometimes he may work a miracle. Sometimes he might desire tongues and interpretation of tongues. Sometimes he might, uh, uh, someone might sing a psalm. I've been believing God for the song to come forth, the prophetic song. Uh, This morning, uh, and I just, uh, Kevin, he played in the Holy Ghost. He was playing that piano in, in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. But these, these people that are musical, hey, it doesn't even really matter. You don't, you don't, we, if you don't have to, this doesn't have to be something that's going to be recorded and, and, and played over Christian radio to be the word of the Lord. Amen. So prophecy can come. But sometimes, you know, family, you know what comes? Sometimes in that glory, we have preaching and teaching. And in that glory, the preaching and teaching has a different aspect than it does if we just get up flat-footed and we just teach the Word. There's a whole world of difference in preaching and teaching. And you think sometimes, well, I don't know, I'm kind of scared of this glory stuff because, man, I am a stickler for the Word. So our pastor and I, we are sticklers for the Word. and, and that. But God's not going to take us into the glory and then say, oh, you know, we're just going to always be laying in the floor, slain in the Spirit. We're always just going to be in some kind of a spiritual ozone layer. No, sometimes He's going to be putting the Word in us. And I tell you, when it comes out under the glory, it, there's something it does in us. It changes us. It cha- the, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 10, I believe it's verse 6, he said, The Spirit of the Lord shall come upon you, and ye shall prophesy, and ye shall be changed into another man. Amen? And when that Spirit comes, so it's, it's, it's everything. Now you say, well, you know, why is this important now? Because we've been asking God to take us to the place where miracles manifest. We've been asking Him for miracles in the church. Amen. Yes. Praise God. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. Y'all are catching? So I'm just nearly through, so y'all are going to let me finish, right? So when you worship, you are shut away with God. You've tuned out the ushers. You've tuned out what the person sitting next to you is doing, the kid next to you, the teenager next to you, the adult next to you. I tell you, sometimes adults can be distracting. Mm-hmm. Hello. We've tuned out the, you know, we need to tune out the musicians and, oh, well, look how they're dressed today. And aren't they cute? Look, they all match. And, you know, and, well, oh, yeah, that's great. But Jesus is here. Jesus is in the place. And you know what? He is selfish in one sense. He wants our 100% attention. The Bible says He's a jealous God, doesn't it? And He wants our attention. And we're going to give it to Him, aren't we? So worship, it. I tell you what, I want you to understand tonight, and I want you not forget this, worship is easy. But it's, not, it's a little bit different than praise. See, we will to praise. We come in, whether we feel like it or not, we can make up our mind. By an act of my will, I'm going to praise you, God. Some of you need to make up your mind and by an act of your will, just do it. And you need to do it at your home by an act of your will. Amen. Sometimes it's a little different when the musicians aren't there to help you, but you can do this. And uh, so we will to praise. We offer our lips as a sacrifice of praise. But um, you don't will to worship. The spirit, of, the spirit of worship comes upon you, and then it's so easy. Amen? And we uh, um, praise, let me close with this. I'm winding down. Praise brings the anointing. And it increases the anointing. And worship brings the glory.
And you know, we're learning. We're learning. The musicians are doing a wonderful job. Y'all are very cooperative. But, you know, it does help to know where we're going and why we're doing this. And so God's helping us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So tonight I'm through, but I don't think the Holy Spirit is. So let's stand up.